as we spend a few minutes with those verses from Matthew 13. Let's pray. Father God, we entrust ourselves to your care in so many ways. And just now we entrust ourselves to your care with our understanding and with our transformation. We recognise that you long to transform us as disciples of Jesus into those who live as Jesus would. Would you guide our thinking and our experience? Would you challenge our hearts and inspire us that we might better understand what it is to follow you today? Amen. Okay, so uh, I'm back in what seems to be my favourite spot because the view behind me is the most exciting and the most grand. But I just wanted to spend a few minutes looking at some topics. First thing I wanted us to do was to recognise that the verses that we're looking at today, this parable of the weeds, these verses have a lot to do with what comes before them in Matthew 12. So, first thing I want to do is encourage you to go back and look at Matthew 12, particularly at verses 1 to 13 of that chapter. The thing that's going on there is that Jesus has been given a hard time for doing things that might seem to us to be entirely natural and sensible. You're walking with your friends and they're hungry and there is food available to eat in the immediate vicinity. It would seem the most obvious thing in the world to say, let's, let's not go hungry, let's have some of the food. But Jesus has got into trouble because he's done exactly that. He said to his friends, grab some grain as we go through this field. And the opposition to Jesus, the Pharisees, those who don't believe that Jesus is teaching the people well, they say, no, nah, that's not okay, because there are rules that say you shouldn't do this. The rules are to do with preserving the Sabbath as a time when people communicate, dwell with, enjoy the presence of God the Father. And the Pharisees are bothered because those rules aren't being kept. Jesus, however, understands what they're for, and so he doesn't mind. He's all right with the idea that people might eat if they're hungry on the Sabbath. Now, the second thing that happens is that Jesus has the opportunity to heal somebody, and so he takes that chance. He gets straight in there, there's a guy with a withered hand, and he says, we can do something about this, let's do something about it. And he's challenged. And what he says is, one of you has an animal that falls into a ditch, don't you help it out of the ditch and rescue it? Yes, of course you do. It's good to be good on the Sabbath. Now, both of those put Jesus into a position, and he's already been there, but he's back there again, where he has opposition to face. Pharisees aren't up for what he's doing. And this takes us on to what is being said in Matthew 13. In those verses, Jesus says really clearly that he isn't willing to run the risk of losing even one person. This is a parable about weeds. So we're back to these images of things that grow and farming. And Jesus says, I don't want to lose anyone. So much as he doesn't want us to lose anyone. He also says that we need to be careful that we don't pull things out that might mean we pull things out that should stay in. So here's the thing, Jesus won't risk losing one. This is a parable about farming again. It's a parable about the, the real situation that they faced that sometimes weeds got in with the crop. 
and you could of course go through the crop and pull out the weeds but the risk was that you got rid of something that you wanted to keep. Now Jesus is faced with a situation where the Pharisees want to make sure that nothing that shouldn't be there is left in and Jesus is saying this is not how he's working. In the kingdom preparation you leave things in because you don't want to run the risk he takes the wrong thing out. What does he mean by this? Well we know from Jesus' um, parable of the, the missing sheep, the one and the 99, we know that Jesus is really keen on making sure that no one is lost who might be rescued, that no one is left out who might be included, that no one misses out on the kingdom when they could be a part of it. Now, the Pharisees with their rules run the risk of uprooting young, tender, harvestable, fruitful grain. And we know from the previous parable that when Jesus is talking about the grain, he's talking about those who have received the message of the kingdom and taken hold of it and allowed it to transform who they are. So Jesus really wants there to be no possibility that this kind of spiritual cleansing process of pulling up the weeds leads to the loss of an individual, any individual, who might accept, hear, accept and be transformed by the message of the kingdom, the good news of Jesus' arrival and of him putting things right. So here's the reality. Church is going to be messy. If we can't just pull things out because they don't look right, we leave them in in case in case we need to so that we don't take out the wrong thing. If that's how church is going to work, if that's what the kingdom is like, then church is going to be a messy, messy place. There's a, a Polish-American theologian called Walter Brueggemann. Uh, he's still alive today and it's a very influential guy and he says that we need to be really careful that churches don't become places where things are preserved, where, where we, we need to be careful we don't end up being uh, an organisation that looks after our own kind of people and keeps things our own kind of way. Now this of course throws up all kinds of questions because we don't want the church to be a place that is um, a breeding ground for, for bad things, for wrong behaviour. But we need to trust that the Holy Spirit guides us and that if we stand firm in our faith that we can handle some messiness because as long as we can we won't be pulling up fruitful plants thinking that they're weeds. This is tricky and it's messy and that's a reality that we have to face because as we know from reading uh, from Exodus 2 from a few weeks back God doesn't fit in a box. God is a free God to do what he wants to do and we need to be careful that we don't go behind his back and put um, boundaries in place that he wouldn't have put in. So here's the reality that we face. Compassion is greater than rules. This is hard, not least because rules very often help us feel secure. We know where we are with rules and if there are rules to be kept and as long as we stand within them we know we're going to be okay. But we are secure in Jesus because his compassion is greater. Because our failure to keep the law isn't the most important thing. Grace is bigger and more powerful. Compassion makes the biggest difference. Jesus, echoing the prophets of the Old Testament, says, do you know what, guys? Mercy is more important than sacrifice. 
he recognises the attitude of the heart, the ability to care about people, to offer second chances, that those things matter more. Even though the rituals and the rules are there for good reasons. We need to be careful we don't insist on an either-or approach to our faith and discipleship. We recognise that part of what Jesus tells us with this parable of the weeds is that a both-and situation, however messy it might be, is likely to be a good idea because of the chance it gives us to allow people to dwell with us and walk with us as we seek to walk with Jesus. There is another part to this reading, the part with the explanation in, and that part is scary. It's scary because of those images of things being destroyed, of that which isn't fruitful being got rid of and burned up of the ultimate annihilation of all, all those things that aren't fruitful. Now the reason why that's scary is because it's a reminder that sin is real, that there are things that go on in our heads and hearts that don't match what God intends for us, that there are things in our heads and our hearts that get in the way of God's intention for us and that stop us achieving the potential that he put in us, that there will be and there is now a consequence for sin. And sin is, is just that word that identifies things that aren't done or said or thought in line with how Jesus created them to be. That's scary. And, and we are right to feel um, troubled by it, bothered by it. So we should be. God made the world. He brought about creation to be a particular way. And humanity is very good at messing that up. So in among everything else, there is this reminder in this parable and its explanation that there is good news, that there is hope, particularly for those who feel they're very often out of place, that you won't get pulled up if you don't look right. You won't get chucked out by the church if you don't meet all the expectations, because we recognise that anyone could be fruitful. And who are we to uproot them and chuck them out? Because we don't really know. So there is hope there, there is good news there, but there's also the reality of the consequences that if we choose not to do things the way God would design them, we do choose not to follow the Jesus way of life, which is the way that humanity was designed to be, then we're choosing not to be with the only one who's going to make the world right. We're choosing to turn our back on one who loves us and gives his life for us. That isn't a threat, and it should never be used as a threat. If you are somebody who doesn't know Jesus, who hasn't encountered him or said yes to him, if you are one of those folks who are uncertain still or unsure, and you ever feel that someone is giving you a threat, turn to Jesus or burn and die, then you are allowed to say, I'm not going to listen to that. But what I will tell you is this. God intended the world to work a certain way and he will make it work that way. He will ultimately bring about its fulfilment in what he intended it to be and the fulfilment of life for humanity. Life in all its fullness is something Jesus said he came to bring. So if we turn our backs on that, we can't then complain if we don't get the joys and the awesomeness and the excitement and the satisfaction and the fulfilment 
that Jesus offers us. If we're not fruitful, there's only one alternative, and that's that when Jesus says there's space for anyone, that we say no thank you, and he honours our request to turn him down. Well, that's about it. I would encourage you, uh, as, as a summary, to remember that church is going to be messy because Jesus doesn't want to risk losing even one. That there is hope that the message of the kingdom is really, really good news and it's available to anyone. And that there is a reality of an alternative where we say no thank you to Jesus and Jesus honours our decision. I call on you, if you don't know Jesus, to take him up on his invitation, to learn what it's like to be fruitful. And if you already know Jesus, I'd urge you to do two things. One, don't try pulling out weeds. It's not your job. Jesus says he'll take care of that later. And two, make every effort to be fruitful in his name and for his glory. Amen.